Chapter 17 Rain stood in the shadow of the captain's raised quarterdeck, near enough to the gunwale that she could stare out past the peaked bow and watch Yevamai's appearance. The tall forest grew slowly out of the horizon, like an immense wave suddenly frozen in permanent relief. As it spread across the horizon, color tipped the lower edge, a long pale strip promising fair beaches. It was a false promise, Rain knew. Captain Faylad brought the vessel in under topsails only. This was Faylad's first and likely only visit to the Sentian Forest, this without Maltani to forewarn Yavamaya or direct their course. Maltani was in the elven lands of Shanadin, inspecting some forest sites where entire villages had supposedly gone missing. Rain was here, needing a break from Talaria and her study of Phyrexian methods in creating negators. Why she had thought a visit to the Sentian Forest might allow her the chance to reclaim some peace of mind, she could not now say. Yavamaya bothered her with its unnatural cycles and strange growths. There was a process at work here she could not understand. There were no set laws and relationships like she dealt with in Artifice. Allowing for the forest's sentience, Rain sometimes wondered if the feelings of unease were mutual. Yavamaya might be as uncomfortable with their presence, with her presence, as Rain was with it. Rain grasped the polished railing and stared down, watching as the first slender root tentacles reached out to brush against the weatherlight's hull of living wood. The impaling points pulled back, and on the shore the root network writhed and split open, allowing a path of firm ground from the beachhead to the magnificent coastal forest. Rain breathed a short sigh of relief. At least Yavamaya still recognized the weatherlight. It was a comfort which lasted only long enough to bring the longboat ashore. No elf met them. No sound of birds or even insects cascaded through the trees. Silence reigned except for a light breeze wandering the trees and rustling brush. Leaving the strange root network behind had helped to ease nerves, the students and crew present spreading out in the relaxed setting of calf-high grasses and flowering underbrush. Now they each shifted uneasily, suddenly nervous in their unannounced arrival with no welcoming party. Too quiet, Rain said, uncertain of what else she expected. Suddenly she put a name to it no falling trees. Rain's previous visits had been during the advanced mulching cycle of the forest as it built up stores of raw matter. Now the sound of falling trees was absent, replaced with a simple whisper of the wind through treetops and interlocked branches rubbing lightly together. The tall sparse grasses rippled only with natural movement, their own fast growth cycle apparently complete. It was as if Yavamaya slept. The forest must know we are here, she said. She nodded to Faylad, but wondered who she was trying to convince. The elves will be along soon enough. The captain glanced uneasily at the dark shadows beneath the trees, his shipboard confidence lost on dry land. They might already be here, he said. Can't see them unless they want to be seen. One of Rain's senior students pointed farther into the forest. There. Isn't that new? Rain didn't bother to point out that after fifty years everything was likely to be new. The normal rules didn't apply to Yavamaya. Yes, looks like a tropical flower of some kind. The new plant was extremely large, its fin-like growth reaching ten meters high. Colorful winged bugs flew around it, some of them occasionally flittering out to fall into the grass. Caustic stench welled up over the meadow as several bugs were stepped on by advancing students and ship's crew. The offending crushers exclaimed sharply, trying to wipe the residue off the ground. Rain stood off to one side, indecisive as she waited for some form of contact. Fellows, would he still be alive? 
The Academy Chancellor did not like the silence that continued to greet them even after these long first minutes. Rain noticed beside another strange tropical plant some thorny vines and another plant with spikes standing out three inches like small daggers. Something off to her left rustled as with hidden movement, though she did not believe it to be an elf. Their passage tended to be silent and hidden. She had just decided that they would all return to the ship to await the arrival of Yavamaya's emissaries when she noticed the color shift in the nearby trees. It was subtle, yet fast enough to be tracked by the eye as light green darkened and shifted to various blue hues. The trees closer to them were in advanced stages of the color change, while deeper into the forest, the change was just beginning. From her previous journeys in the weatherlight, Rain immediately grasped what it would look like from an aerial view, and how Yavamaya would no doubt sense it, an expanding circle of disturbance at the center of which was the weatherlight and her people. Back to the ship, she said, voice low with carefully concealed concern. Only a few turned to look. Back to the ship! Everything seemed to happen at once. A trio of wolves, so heavily muscled, their shoulders blended in with their neck, sprang from concealment to suddenly encircle one of those crewmen who had protested the stench of a squashed bug earlier. Another offender found herself encircled by a cloud of stinging creatures. With a shrill scream, she tried to plunge into a thick wall of brush, hoping to lose the winged insects into heavier growth and was caught in a tangle of vines covered in sharp thorns. Blood welled in cuts and streamed down her face from the crown of vines wrapped about her brow. Another creature, a sledge-headed beast shouldered its way past the thorny brush to snarl a challenge. The Chancellor took a step in the direction of the trapped crewman, whose thrashing drove thorns deeper into her skin and the forest suddenly closed up in front of her. She saw a pair of vines leap up to opposing trees for support, animated like a pair of striking snakes and forming an immediate barrier. They suddenly sprouted enough thorny vegetation to create an impassable wall. The wall then sprouted jade-green blooms, which Rain recoiled from as if struck. The innocent-looking blooms touched at her core and drew strength away. Acting from instinct, Range reached into her pocket for globe bombs, an invention of barons for those traveling away from Talaria, in case they should meet with Phyrexians. She tossed one into the wall. The globe shattered, its force automatically channeled away from the thrower, shedding the thinner plant life and scoring deep scars into nearby trees. A Talarian student was not far behind Range's action, tossing one of his own globes at the wolves and careful not to throw too near the beset crewmen. The wolf yelped as splinters of glass impaled its hindquarter. The wounded beast and one other companion streaked back for the safety of the forest. Rain tossed another one of her globe bombs at the suddenly active bush covered in globular blossoms. The plant disintegrated under the forest. Behind it, previously screened from view, an elf riding a great moa raced toward her. Cradling a war bow in one hand and reaching back for an arrow, Rain drew back for another throw. Stop! The voice sounded off the trees and quivered in the branches and leaves surrounding them. It seemed to shake the very ground and was reflected back from the upper boughs of the great trees. The reflections echoed among the plant life, which shook under the order. It was as if the forest itself spoke, except Rain remembered that voice. Raffellos. The Lanamore elf stood nearby, just inside the forest and at the top of a grassy knoll. He carried what appeared to be a halberd, a long smooth pole of silver wood topped with a wide green leaf that seemed to possess the rigid sharpness of a blade. He had changed little in the relative centuries since Rain's last visit, except now he boasted a trimmed mustache. Rain suddenly realized that her intended target was an elf, not the animate vegetation or even one of the creatures that had assailed them, but a sentient resident of Yavamaya. The elf's own wild-eyed glare of anger faded, his face going slack with a sudden lack of animation. He lowered his bow as Rain brought down her own hand, returning her glow bomb to a pocket. She noticed that the creatures had all retreated and the vines released their grip on her student. Everyone calm down. 
she said as easily as she could, heart pounding in her chest with the adrenaline rush. Just stand where you are until Rafellos tells you otherwise. Don't worry. We're among... Friends? Not exactly. Allies here. Watching Rafellos' slow approach, his weapon still head tightly at the ready, Rain could only wonder if that were still true. The forest is... A pause. Distracted, Rafello said, standing on the beach as evening fell over the island, his polearm resting the crook of one arm. The Lanawar focused on rain alone as he spoke. The coastal roots had closed up, allowing only a narrow path from the water's edge back into the forest. Yevamai's working to tailor its defenses before the Phyrexian threat finds its way here. Rain had watched Rafellos treat the wounded with herbs and a jelly-like salve taken directly from the folds of a large violet-colored plant. He moved with purpose, efficient in his every act, but lacking the energy and enthusiasm which he had once assailed life. Certainly, this was not the same elf Rain remembered from before. Now, listening to him explain the initial lack of contact, she couldn't be sure that this reference to Yavamaya came from an individual's view of the situation. It reminded her too much of the Imperial We. Are you saying Yavamaya is dormant? Rafellos shook his head lightly. Not dormant. The accelerated mulch cycle is complete, and Yavamaya is spending intense resources in the evolution of the forest and its servants. And you, Rafellos, how have you been? Obviously, the elf had not aged much, but without slow-time waters, even a long-lived elf should be showing signs of time's passage by now. She performed a quick review of the years, checking her dates. Rafellos should actually be dead, though here he was, looking still to be in the middle part of an elf's long twilight of middle age. Frowning, Lanamore concentrated on the question. Uro, he began, then corrected himself. I have been well. He blinked hard, his brown eyes momentarily clearing of their indifferent gaze. By the mage-lit stone, some students had set out on poles, burning with their own cool fire. Those eyes seemed to broadcast a private pain. He blinked again, and it was gone. Yavamai takes care of my needs. He then walked over to a net bag of glowing stones set up on a pole, inspecting it at close quarters while Rain continued to observe him. Technically, their business was complete having gained a new supply of special woods for use in developing artifacts. Rafellos, though, appeared to be in no hurry. Rain couldn't decide if the delay was on Yavamaya's part or his. She waited, uneasy with the heavy forest scents pressing in from the dimming lands. Captain Phalad waited near the longbow with a few crewmen, shook his head in confusion. As before, during their approach, Rain sensed her own unease with the sentient forest. There was no set relationship she could take apart and understand, no gears or cogs. The mechanisms that drove most people were so complex as to be unfathomable. Excuse me? She asked as Rufellos muttered a question, something to do with Maltani. The elf started, then turned back. Yavamaya would like to have one of these glowing stones. Light is a good match for one of the forest's needs. To rain, the light was too soft for proper illumination, a subtle white-blue inappropriate for working under. But then she didn't have the superior eyesight of an elf either. Take it she said, certain that the request was not his original question. Rain walked over and unhooked the net bag from the pole then handed the small bundle of glowing stones to Rafellos. Again, there was a flash of pain in Rafellos' brown eyes. He glanced about carefully, searching the shadows as if for dangers. Have you seen Maltani? He asked, voice quiet and trembling. Rain could only shake her head. 
No, not for many years. I should like to see Maltani. The words came out as part question, part uncertain statement. His face tightened, a hard look of determination dominating his features. You should not come back, Brain. Yavamai has become dangerous. Talaria might need further supplies, she said. Without the weatherlight, not the weatherlight, her fellows interrupted. You, Rain, you should not come back. The troubles in Keld make Yavamaya too uneasy. To wonder what possible connection she had with the Keld was Rain's first reaction. Other than her previous acquaintance with Gatha, there was nothing else. Rain dismissed the thought as the outright affront of the recommendation hit her. True that she'd wondered about the forest's own unease, but to have that confirmed struck her with a cold slap of reality. She would have asked after such a dismissal, except that Raphelos now hurried to the path left for him and disappeared into the rootwork. Only the glow of the magic stones marked his trail, and those two finally vanished as the coastal roots closed after him. Rain stood on the beach, hugging her arms to keep back the sudden chill that had swept her, lost in her confused thoughts of Talaria, Yavamaya, not of Keld. The Weatherlight's departure was marked with a more rapid speed than its arrival. It danced over the rough swells, gaining headway until it hit the gentle roll of deeper water. Soon it was a pale smudge beneath the gray light reflected down from the glimmer moon. Where dark promontory jutted out into the ocean, the weathered rock able to grow no heavy plant life, despite Yevamai's relentless attempts, a black oval spread open. It grew in size. When viewed side-on, it disappeared. The portal, so impossibly thin because it did not actually exist, but was more a hold in the chaotic energies that separated the planes. A leg thrust through, black armor gleaming as it reflected the glimmer moon. Arms and a body followed, the thin form stepping through and rising to its not-so-impressive height. Its completion did not demand size, but a compact, tough form that could visit countless planes and bring back detailed news to its masters. It required neither breath nor food, not anymore. The rush of glistening oil through its artificial veins was sustenance enough. It turned non-augmented eyes toward the ocean. The weatherlight was gone. The seeker's gaze fell back to the forest island. No dangers here, it seemed. But orders were to be followed. It would explore and observe. Others would evaluate. First, it needed to return and provide a report on this location for Devol, the master, Crow. After a last scan of seemingly defenseless coastline, Brexium left Yavamaya. The 